Welcome to the Her God Speaks podcast special Tuesday feature called Hermeneutics Tuesdays. Yes, that's Tuesdays with an H, where we are seeking to become better interpreters of the Bible one 10-minute episode at a time. I'm your host, April Spears. Let's learn stuff together. I was recently listening to an interview Mike Cosper did with Bono on Christianity Today's Bulletin podcast. In one part of the interview, Bono talked about the Christian impulse to be literal and reductionistic. He then brought up the importance of metaphor and made the bold claim that you cannot approach God without it. The size of God's love, the scale of it, he said, you just can't express it without metaphor. I think he's right. There's no depth of understanding or communion with God without word pictures, without metaphor to somehow help us wrap our minds around his transcendence and glory, which is why we see so much metaphor in the Bible. The authors of scripture are constantly taking one idea, usually something tangible and easy to understand, and mapping that idea onto more abstract concepts or experiences. That's what a metaphor is. Here's why metaphor is so important in our discussion of cultural context and being a good tourist of the Bible. First reason. A lot of us grew up in more fundamentalist church environments where taking every word of the Bible literally was a badge of honor. In these circles, metaphor is often synonymous with not true. Artistic often means fictional. This obsession with literalism flows from really good intentions to uphold the authority of the Bible. But I would argue it also flows from a failure to understand that the Bible is written in various genres, some of which are not supposed to be taken literally, such as Hebrew poetry or apocalyptic literature. Now, the second reason metaphor is so important in our discussion of cultural context and being a good tourist of the Bible is the fact that every culture develops its own metaphors that will seem strange, perhaps even nonsensical, to another culture. Let me give you two examples, one from my personal life and one from Scripture. Several years ago, I got to teach at a Christian women's gathering in an African village. Now, I taught through a translator, and at some point, randomly, completely unplanned, I have never said this, I don't think in my entire life, I've never said it since, but I used the expression, like a cow at a new gate, to describe a time when I made no sense and the person I was talking to just stared at me. Now, ironically... That's exactly what happened when I used the phrase, like a cow at a new gate, (laughs) in front of these African women. Now, these women weren't dumb. They knew what a cow is. They knew what a gate is. But the expression and the way I used it was completely lost on them because it's an American expression. 
And after the message was over, the translator was very curious what I meant by that. So I learned the hard way that metaphorical expressions do not necessarily transcend place and culture. Here's a biblical example. All right, Revelation 21.1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven, and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Now, anyone committed to a literal reading of scripture has to take from that that there won't be any oceans in the eternal state. Now, however willing you might be to accept that, as a modern person, it probably seems really strange and may even make you like really, really sad. I mean, what could God possibly have against the sea? Most of us love oceans. We'll even save up lots of money so that we can vacation by them. I'll tell you, watching the sunset over the Oregon coast is hands down, one of the most gorgeous things I have ever experienced in my entire life. I crave it all the time. You probably have a favorite coastline as well. Most of us love the beach, we love the sea, and would consider it a treat to spend a day on the water. What a bummer that heaven won't have any. Interesting fact. For ancient Israelites, the ocean was a symbol of danger and chaos. We don't have time to work through them, but there's examples of this all throughout Scripture. I mean, think about it. What existed before God ordered the universe? Well, according to Genesis 1-2, nothing except dark chaos waters. So it makes sense that the sea becomes this emblem, this image of decreation of darkness, destruction. So what if, instead of saying there's no ocean in the eternal state, John, as he's writing Revelation, is tapping into the water as danger and chaos metaphor that everyone was aware of in that culture at that time. What if he's not saying there won't be a literal ocean but rather communicating the much more profound truth that all that is dark and threatening in this world will be gone forever. That interpretation, which I happen to think is the better one, would never cross our minds if we didn't do the work to be a good tourist of the text, asking the question, how would John's original audience have taken this. All that to say, don't be afraid of taking biblical metaphor metaphorically. Metaphors express what's true just as much as more literal descriptions of reality. They just use a different medium to do it, which is a really good thing because like Bono said, there's simply no possible way to communicate the magnitude of God's love without it. That's all for this episode. We will continue to talk more about metaphor and literalism next time. Bye, guys. Bye.